Hello, my name is Ape, and I'm the Madakan hero. And I'm a slick, and I'm gonna beat the s*** out of the Madakans. <laughs> oh my god, you do a great job with those. Thank I've literally, know. since I've, a kid, I've been a kid, I've been practicing all the voices. <laughs> We are Bloobcast, I'm Rob, I'm James, and I'm Ewan. But the question is, why are we called the Bloobcast? Yes! Yeah. Hello, my name is James, and welcome to the podcast on Oddworld, the weird dark fantasy game that's beloved by vegetarian schmucks everywhere. Except me, Barry the Slate, and me, Harry the Gluck, I have a career to consider! I hope that was sufficient. I kind of stumbled at the Glocken accent. There. We do not have two additional co-hosts. James is just talking to himself. Hello. So today we are talking about Oddworld. As I said, it's a dark fantasy PS1 PC game that was released in the 90s. And basically it's involving a protagonist called Abe, the Madokan. That's me. My name is Abe. I was employee of the year. Now I'm dead meat. Oddworld takes place on this weird world full of magic and technology that's kind of gone horribly, horribly wrong. Um, you play as a character that is enslaved by an evil corporation that is out there for your meat and is out there to eat you and your buddies, basically, every member of your species. This new kind of meat. It was us! And the whole world is being destroyed by the industrialists you have to face off against robot slaves you have to possess them using dark powers and oh it's just amazing it's a mythological undertaking of to the extreme it's i have so many good words for it i'm really excited to talk about it today yes i agree because um, Oddworld was um back in, when i was in uni and i was discovering others of the ps1 which we'll get into later when we talk about how we discovered Oddworld. Oddworld was one of the standout games when i was like going through all the PS1 games I missed through my childhood. Do we want to jump in and uh, talk about how we discovered Oddworld? Yeah, James, you are the biggest Oddworld fan out of all three of us. Sure thing, thank That's, you. So uh, Yeah, go for it. Cool, right, so for me, uh, I was really young, probably I'm going back to about six, seven, potentially. Um, I really hadn't played video games before until we got the PS1. And we got the PS1, and it was a gift to my brother uh, from my parents, but obviously the whole family got to play it whenever we wanted to. And the first game that I ever got on there was Tarzan. I also had Mickey Mouse's... I can't remember the exact name. It was a Mickey Mouse adventure game. Mickey... Um, wow. Wild Adventure? Yeah, that's the one. You got it. So I played that. The third ever game I played was Crash Bandicoot. But then the fourth ever game I played on my PS1 was Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, which my dad uh, got lent to him by a colleague of his at work. Uh, his, he just came up to his mate at work and said, oh, my boys have got this new console. Uh, do you know any games that they might enjoy? He said, oh yeah, i got this game here called Oddworld. Um, so we plugged that in one day. And all the previous games we had played before involved lives and platformers and you, know, you can get a game over and stuff like that. This one was different. It was a game that involved infinite lives. And you weren't running around as this action hero, you know, kicking booty or whatever. You're this little frail man walking around and uh, using logic and uh, magic to like kind of overcome your enemies, the slicks. And this really blew my mind as a kid. And also it was the first kind of dark, gothic game that I came across as a kid. 
Uh, before that, everything was kind of kid-friendly. Even though, I think it was 11 plus, I want to say, Oddworld was, or probably... Yeah, 11 plus, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, I mean, I was probably too young to play it, but um, I still played it anyway. But it, is, it just really was such a mind-boggling thing to experience for the first time. I'd never experienced anything like Oddworld. So, first of all, I played a little bit of the first level. I kept playing the first level over and over again, and watching this first cutscene over and over again, just getting sucked into the world and the cinematics and just how it all looked visually, because I just... There was nothing anywhere else that I could see that in, you know what I mean? Um, but I was also absolutely scared to death about playing it because of like just being chased by like paramites and scrabs and slig. So I ended up watching my brother and my dad and my mum playing most of it. The whole family got together and played Oddworld. We really bonded over this wow. one game. Yeah, no, like literally we're all massive Oddworld fans. It was the one game we all kind of came together just to sit on the sofa and play and watch together. It was absolutely just... It's a big part of my life, big part of my childhood, um, and I've been obsessed with Oddworld ever since, so I think I'll conclude that there. That's really interesting you saying about your whole family loving it, because mm. my understanding from the director, Lorne Lanning, uh, who is the director of Oddworld, talked about how he wanted the game to basically be a game for adults that children can enjoy, was the idea, uh, or something mm. along those lines. Uh, it was almost like a Simpsons idea because the Simpsons had a similar ethos of like mm. they they, yes. they wrote it for adults and then children happened to like it. But yeah, no, just it, I think it's really cool that yeah, your whole family and that was the other thing Lanning talked about was that like the traditional gamer who would usually be like a a, a boy or like a young man or whatever yeah would play would play a game or get would buy the game, but then like. The whole, like, yeah, the whole family would become interested in this game as well, and everyone would suddenly, you know, and it would, it would kind of spread out that way, where it wasn't just the typical gamer demographic. Yeah, that's something Lord Nanning himself set out because, um, so I've um, flicked through the book Oddworld, um, mm. was it Abe's Origins, and he kind of spoke about this, <clears throat> where he kind of wanted to, like, kind of, he saw video games as kind of like the future of entertainment. There's, um, at the time, it's kind of seen as like, kind of like a children's toy. So he kind of wanted to do something more with the medium. He kind of wanted to tell like a story which had been to it. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of that going on, really. I think he wanted to... Because he, um, before Oddworld in game development, he was into filmmaking along with Sherry McKenna, uh, his kind of the, the partner um, producer mm. of the company of Oddworld and Hamilton's. And, and um, I believe she worked on the Back to the Future ride, actually. We the impact between the two vehicles should send us straight back to the Institute. Interestingly enough, they both she did, yes, yeah. So they were both like big um, film makers, and they're revolutionaries. Well, they wanted to revolutionise storytelling. And Lorne Nannin, as you guys have read, he worked in the military uh, designing weapons. I think it was. I think he was uh, designing weapons on like using computers and stuff. And he realised computers and also video games were going to take off. So he persuaded Sherry McKenna to sort of take storytelling. Uh, this idea of like Abe and all that into video games and really it was an untouched medium and he thought we can do so much more of this and he and in many ways he revolutionized storytelling in video games I think it's the first mm. first video game I came across where the story came first I felt at least and then and the universe and the world building and everything like that and the characters so that is another reason why it left such an impression on me I mean, Mickey Mouse, I can't remember the name of it. That Mickey Mouse game didn't really do much of that. So, um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, but... there's a story I'd like to tell you guys, because uh, you were saying how it reaches out to different audiences and stuff like that. There's a gentleman 
that did play this game. It's a very beautiful story, but I'll tell you guys about that a bit later on uh, when you. Yeah, I think mm. I know the story you mean, but yeah, yes, yeah. I'm going to go on to my story now. So please do. Yeah, so my first exposure to Oddworld came, weirdly enough, via Facebook oh. back in the year 2010. So there was a a week around November, December 2010, where I don't remember why, but for some reason, people changed their profile picture to a cartoon character from their childhood. Someone from my, my friends list changed their picture to this weird green alien <laughs> thing. And I was like, well, this looks cool. And I commented on how sweet it was. And I got a few comments like, oh my God, you don't know what Oddworld is. And I can't realize it was like a PS1 game. And I was like, oh, it must have just passed me by because as I said in our Spyro episode, which is our third episode, if you want to go back and listen, um, good episode, I was that. a very late adopter. Sorry, was that? I was just saying that was I very good. I was just, uh, no, no, I, I was just saying it was a good episode, Carol, <laughs> interrupted. Yeah, but yeah, I, as I said in that episode, I was a very late adopter of the PS1, so I didn't get the PS1 until like, the PS2 was out, and I got the PS2 a year later, so I didn't really get to buy a lot of the PS1 classics, as it were. Mm. So I didn't really give Oswald like, that much thought after that until 2013 when I started watching Cadicorous on YouTube and he included the follow-up to Abe's Odyssey, Abe's Exodus, on his top 20 PS1 games of all time. And based on that, I thought, well, let's give this game a go because I think it was like number four on his list. So I thought, let's... I remember buying it and I remember finding it really hard, yeah. but I was instantly in love with how it combined like its dark and twisted its dark and twisted nature with a sense of humour, which is something that I'm always drawn to in they can like balance, balance the two tones perfectly rather than having things like Poe Face and Miserable Zack Snyder. <laughs> oh god. But yeah, um, I never picked up the original Abe's Odyssey because I heard it lacked on the quality of life mechanics that Exodus had, like being able to talk to multiple Dockens at once and being able to quick save wherever you want rather than having to go back to checkpoints when you die. I remember I did play New and Tasty when it first came out, but I never finished it for some reason because I was entering my last year at uni at the time, so. I was very limited in my free time, so I had other things to take my interests. I think, if I remember, it's like because New Thunderbirds was coming out at the time, and also I was getting into DC, so those things were taking my interest, and I drifted away from other things, which is a shame. But that's that's uni for you. Mm. But I did get around to New Tasty eventually in 2018 when um, the, as I mentioned earlier, the Abe's Origins art book came out. So I was um, uh, so I remember I loved Exodus so much. I pledged um, for not just the book, but this. Um, but the game that came up because you got a, a CD-ROM which had the first two games on it, which had all this extra stuff, which is really cool. And then I've decided to finally play New and Tasty all the way through. If you don't know, New and Tasty is the like reimagining of Abe's Odyssey. And I, I think it took me about a week to play through it. And I remember proudly tweeting about completing it, which I recently dug up to show to James Newman, where I said I saved 202 Madokans and Oddworld. Um, themselves on Twitter responded saying oh well done glad you enjoyed the game oh. and then I, I think I replayed Exodus um, before playing Munch's Odyssey uh, so yeah I never played the original Abe's Odyssey until we did this episode I only got a copy for myself recently back in November when we all three of us went to London Film and Comic Con and I played through it had some difficulties doing so which we'll get into later but <laughs> yeah overall I enjoyed it and I'm excited to discuss it yeah cool and now we move on to you and my friend and what's your story? Ah, uh, my story is probably quite similar to my Stingray experience, uh, <laughs> where I, I just heard about it and then watched it. No, it wasn't. It wasn't quite that much because um, when James and I were discussing Samurai Jack and various other things when we were at university, I do have a very clear memory of James 
bringing up Oddworld because I'd never heard of it like at all and I was you know I was pretty into gaming generally um and you know I, I was like I, I'd played a lot of PlayStation 1 games I had played Mickey Mouse's Wild Adventure played Toy Story 2 on the PlayStation 1 and that was great uh, you know, I I played PS One games. Oh, played, Toy Story Two, such a good game. I never came across Odd World. I think it was around. Yeah, I I think I just saw it on. I think it was being sold on the GOG website, Good Old Games website. Gog. Uh, so I bought it on that. Um, and but then I never really got round to playing it. And I and then I have a very distinct memory of playing it on. Um, on the train like i was i was just on my laptop like traveling and i i, I played a bit and i got quite I, I think i did all right i got to the stockyards um so i wasn't doing terribly playing it but i did find it quite finicky getting the was uh or, or playing with the kind of just with the laptop um so i eventually got it on the playstation 3 uh because i'm one of those people who still does that and plays old ps1 games on the playstation 3 <laughs> and uh so i've i've now got odyssey and exodus on that and uh yeah i i started playing odyssey a couple years ago uh didn't get very far um i think as i think i also only ever got to the stockyard um before i i gave up for whatever reason i think it was just mainly just figuring out the controls and kind of getting a handle of how it all worked uh but again i kind of made a concerted effort to complete it for uh for the episode and i i and i did and i think as rob said you know it was it, it could be quite challenging and i definitely had some uh teething issues with a few sections <laughs> um, but um, but I completed it. And I played Oddworld New and Tasty, the, as Rob said, the, the remake. Uh, and I completed that, and I did a much better job completing that one, like, and and doing quite well with that. Uh, but yeah, now I'm currently playing Exodus for the first time, and the sequel ah. uh, to the original Od Odyssey. Um, and as Rob said, there's like the new game Soulstorm, which is kind of sequel to new and tasty but but it's not really a remake of it's a retelling it's it's a complete yeah, it's a reboot retelling. yeah yeah it's a complete reboot uh so that's a whole different thing but anyway so that's it's a very boring story by comparison to, to i think james and rob but but that's my yeah just my to general... clarify yeah um, just, just uh, clarify what... just quickly we should we should say that we are focusing mainly on odyssey and new and tasty i think for this episode and we might yeah. come back to sort of exodus maybe soulstorm and stuff and munch's odyssey strange wrath and stuff in another episode um because there's yeah. there's quite a lot of games maybe even through. the game boy ones yeah no i've got those on my shelf actually and the munch's odyssey game boy game okay. that's pretty damn good that game i'm just going to put that out there I'll fight. Oh, that's the hill. One, I'm thing die. I, one thing I want to say before we move on to the discussion is um, Oddworld was actually one of the franchises me and James first bonded over because yeah. back in the first lockdown days of 2020, um, Ewan, he um, invited me and James to do a, a viewing of Samurai Jack over Messenger. So we kind of had like all video called each other while watching Samurai Jack. We should do that. And during the discussion, yeah, yeah, that was great. But. But you and asked um, me, Rob. He, I think you knew I was a fan of Oddworld mm. as well as James. He asked me, "Oh, Rob, do you like Oddworld?" And of course, like, "Oh yes, I love Oddworld." And James is like, "Oh my god, Oddworld!" And, but yeah, that was a good good time. Yeah, literally, I, I, I was I, just I I just I nerded out because there's not a lot of people out there that love Oddworld. Actually, I throughout 
my brother, my brother and I love Oddworld, and we've for years really struggled to like meet other people that like. Oh, a lot of people that like Crash and Spyro and everything like that, and Rayman. But Oddworld was just like that weird, like obscure thing that I could never really talk to people about. So it was cool to talk to Rob about. It's like, oh my god, another that's like me. <laughs> to be fair, James, do you remember there was that friend of mine at that at the pub? I remember this. No, I do remember this. Yeah. I was I was really drunk and I kept on saying, you need to play this game. There's a fart button. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she, she was all about she was all about the fart button, which is great. Uh, <laughs> because this is the thing. For a game that like we've touted as as being a game for adults and all of that sort of thing, it does have a fart button, and <laughs> your character basically communicates with other characters through like, or at least one of the things he he can do is fart, and this is like part and of that. Lawn Nanning hates that. <laughs> I know. I don't Lord agree. Lanning. Yeah, I love Lawn Nanning, but I don't agree with him. That's wrong. Keep the fart button, damn you. <laughs> like that's one of the. Well, why does Lorne Lanning hate hate the fart button? Okay, so from from the get go, I read about this. He hated the fart button, um, but all, like he basically he wants a very serious sort of story. I get the impression he wants to tell a story that hits the right notes and uh, has a message. And if I play to him, that's what one of the strengths of Oddworld. But one of the other strengths of Oddworld is that it's combined with the fact that it's humorous and light hearted. It despite this dark world, it's nice balance of yin and yang between. Being a bit silly and a bit goofy, but also being incredibly bloody dark. Um, but uh, the fart button, I, in my opinion, is a most welcome addition to that. All these horrible things are happening. You're being chased by monsters and stuff. But yeah, you're also farting in the corner. I think that's hilarious. But with Lord Lannan, he, uh, right from the get-go, thought it was too silly. He thought, no, why are we adding a fart button? It's cheap humour, do you know what I mean? But all the other colleagues, the other people in Oddworld working at the company at the time, loved it. And the press loved it as well. The press kept on talking about this fart button. So he kind of had his hand well, forced. I, <laughs> well, you know, it's like I, I, we, we put that in there and then I wanted to take it out and the, and the publishers and the team was like, no, 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 we can't. And I was like, ah, all they're going to talk about is the farting, man. It totally, you know, like, don't, like, don't shy uh, away from that. Know. Be proud of the fact. That I know, but I wanted to, I wanted to in the beginning. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I got, I got a little scared because I thought that's all they would talk about. And then it was funny because then I got on CNN and they were like, but Abe does something really unique. And I had no idea what they were talking about. And the people are off screen, you know, going, the fart, the fart. You know, and I was like, uh, yeah, he possesses guys. You know, he just totally evaded me, which is completely embarrassing. But it happens. Yeah. The fart. And then the second game, Exodus, um, allowed you to possess. Yeah. You oh, can so you, you can, can, can possess <laughs> flying fast that explode. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You can possess a flying yeah. fart. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Exodus again. There's a lot to discuss on that one. But with Odyssey, yeah, there is a fart button. You could literally press it over and over again. It goes <laughs> just repeatedly. It's so brilliant. And he laughs it after he does it as well. <laughs> And so do the other Madokans. The Madokans would laugh you going like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> yeah, It's just yeah. amazing. But yeah, that's... One thing I want to talk about, um, it's kind of tied to, obviously, about the series as a whole, is how ambitious the whole series is because um, uh, the ga the mainline games in the series are part of something called the Old World Quintology, which was supposed to be in it, which is intended to be um, ever-expanding and evolving continuous story, which is intended to be in five parts. So if it... I think Abe's Odyssey was the first part, then the next part was Munch's Odyssey with Abe's Exodus being a bonus game. Yeah. Um, but sadly, they never got further than that because the next game, Squeak's Odyssey, never came about. 
And it's a shame because they've just rebooted the whole thing recently. It's a shame we could never see what the original version of the Quintology would have looked like. Yeah, I, I'm a bit mixed about that. I kind of would have liked if they just carried on from where they left off. They had a, they already had a really good story built up there and a lot of great characters. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a bad Oddworld game, really. Um, and I think it would have been nice if they just carried on from A Munch's Odyssey slash Stranger's Wrath. Um, I think that would have been a smarter move. Let's get things back a bit to Odyssey because I want to discuss the actual plot. So the plot is you're a, yeah, basically a slave in this massive um, factory called Rupture Farms, which is basically a big food processing plant uh, where you've taken all of the various inhabitants of, of Oddworld or, or at least of the place where the Madokans, which is what Abe is, this yeah. little kind of gremlin creature, uh, the Madokans, uh, work like land has been kind of taken over by this race called the Gluckans. <laughs> who have basically, yeah, they've built this huge place called Rupture Farms and they've been processing all the various creatures from the Madokan world uh, or land uh, as as meat, as, as products to be sold off, like the, the Paramite Pie, for instance. We still made Paramite Pies. Various, yeah. you know, so they've wiped these creatures to extinction, there's only a few creatures left, and then Abe, while he's wandering along, uh, stumbles across this meeting uh, between the Gluckens, uh, and there's like the Slig guy as well. The Slig is this guy with a weird octopus face. How we'd make new and tasty. I was still to find. The truth, it turned out. Now that would blow my mind. Um, and they, and he discovers that they're going to use the Madokan slaves as the newest meat product. Um, as the new and tasty, as the, the later game is called, but there was the new and tasty posters uh, that he sees of, of the Madokan. What was it called? The Madokan food or, or like the Madokan pop? The, the Madokan pop. That was it. <laughs> you know what's in a Madokan pop? And um, <laughs> and yeah, and, and so Abe realizes he's in this horrifying factory, um, and then the the next product's gonna be him. Uh, so then starts the odyssey of his escape from the factory, and then he finds, he, he makes it to his, his ancestral home. I didn't even know I had a destiny, so get oh, me yeah. out of here! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that's really dark about that, about this, the intro, is, um, is when Abe's running past a star, you instantly get a wanted post of him holding up like a, um, in like a mug, like a mug shot. I love and it's that. Like, the Magog Cartel's most wanted terrorist, Abe! That lone disgruntled janitor continues to cripple factories of the Uguay Estate and the Magog Cartel. <laughs> I mean, I think at this point myself, I think something, um, Caddy Chris Ball's something one of his old videos, but it's like, um, did they just get all the Madokans to, um, like, have mugshots in case anyone ever kind of, like, revolted or anything. Yeah. So, so they could use that. It's, it's very dark and twisted. It's, it's heavily implied. It's like, you could just imagine this yeah. poor Madoc and holding his son, like, what am I doing with this son? He's like, just smile for the camera. Like, if he tries to escape, you know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, well, it's, maybe it's like the start of Squid Game. Do you remember? I don't know if you saw yes. that show. 
Yeah, the bit, the bit at the beginning with with is it Jihoon? He like he smiles for the camera right before they're about to send them all to like their deaths, you know. So it's oh. probably the same thing where they they put everyone up for a little mug shot. It's like a passport photo, <laughs> and then it's like oh, oops. <laughs> Shall I? One of the things I want to jump into is just talking about Abe. Like Abe is amazing, but he's one of my favorite fictional characters probably ever. He's great. Like. I mean, I've got a whole note list of things here. I just want to talk about it. Like with Abe, <laughs> like Abe. Well, right, when I was a kid, right, and I was playing Odd World, one of the things I loved about Abe was that he's literally not Superman. He's not Batman. He's not Spider Man. He's this little skinny guy working at his horrible job. And I had this fantasy when I was in primary school, where I thought, what if one day, like, I was like Abe, where I had like suddenly the school got took a, taken over by aliens or something like that, and I had to go rescue all my friends and stuff like that. And save the day just like Abe or something like that. That was kind of like how he, I felt playing that game. I was like, oh, I'd love to be like Abe. And he was awkward as well. He was a very awkward guy that's not intelligent. He wasn't, um, you know, he's not uh, everything that you get in a typical hero where they're super and perfect in every way. He's a very flawed character. And to this day, I said, I applied to a tweet from Oddwell saying, what does Oddwell mean to you? And I said, basically, Abe is basically your typical average Joe that works a nine to five job and still is absolutely brilliant and despite having nothing, no weapons, no strength, no massively redeeming qualities, I mean, there's a few, but ultimately he prevails um, and he still smiles as well. He's in these horrible situations, being chased by monsters, you know, like literally just um, these things with guns I and mean, his whole entire race is in a horrible situation. It's a nightmare um, and yet he's still goofing around and he succeeds and that is really what you can take away from Oddworld. You can work a nine mm. to five job but you can still be the hero, I think. And that's what I get from Oddworld. It's that's kind of the philosophy yeah, I take from it. That that ties into the gameplay because mm. um Abe is at the very bottom of the food chain in Oddworld as well as his race because um obviously in like Rupture Farms which is where he works, you've got the sneaks and they kill you in one hit like everything else in the game. And but then when you get outside all the other monsters they're higher in the food chain than you, so they also kill you instantly. Mm. Um, but also, by the end of the game, you can like master all these things like possession and like using like mines, and it's like you can turn Abe into like this really amazing, like ultra powerful thing if you play the game right. But that's the thing; he develops as you go along as well. I think that's the ultimate thing: is the hero's journey portrayed from for the average Joe. He become he goes from being the average Joe to an actual messiah almost. But as you go along, um, you complete tasks and stuff like that and you um, meet the criteria of the Madokans, rescue all your friends and build up your karma and eventually you rise up to <laughs> what is essentially like semi-godhood godhood by the end um, but ultimately that's the strength of Abe is that he finds a way and he, be he goes from being nothing to everything at the end and he becomes a hero I just love that really um, yeah I, 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 I like that the in the as you mentioned with the gameplay that the fact that he 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 trips over he slips up yeah uh he he's very easy to kind of yeah f like he's very easy to kill um if you r run into booby traps or if you if you fall off a cliff there's so many ways for the poor guy to die it's um, like paper yeah and and i remember he reminded me a lot again this is specific video game thing but he he reminded me a lot of wonder from shadow of the colossus which is another great uh that's a playstation 2 game but that's yeah. kind of 
considered one of the classics of of the, of the mm. PS2 era. Um, but that's kind of got a similar vibe where you're a very tiny little person against these huge colossi monsters. And in that <laughs> game as well, you trip up, you fall over. It's very easy to get killed. Um, and it just reminded me of that. This, the, like he's very small in the world that he's because it's a, yeah. like ultimately Oddworld is a two D is a two D game. It's almost like Mario in a lot of ways, mm. but yeah. it's so not Mario. Yeah. The game, the <laughs> game. I can actually talk horrifying. about this because um, yeah. the game is um, plays like a two D character action platform, which is a specific genre of game. Yeah. So kind of like the original Pinch first version of a game called Flashback. I think Tomb Raider was kind of like this, but in a 3D perspective. Yeah. Uh, basically, the gameplay revolves around precise platforming and puzzles. Um, this can be very cruel, as there is this no leave for error. But the one thing I think this game does add is the ability to talk to initial commands to NPCs and possess like the standard enemies in the game. Hmm. You can, in this one, you can only talk to one at a time, but it is an integral part of the game because um, you need to talk to the Madokan because it's something that affects like the ending at the end of the game yeah yeah absolutely i think two things you brought up there rob that i think we should just jump into i think we should get it out of the way because you guys had a few issues you yes <laughs> let's i think we should just kind of get that out of the way let's just talk about the flaws because i mean i've kind of been singing a lot of praise about Oldworld, but there are a few issues um it's the we're just going to just start off with the checkpoint system and the, the save system yes it's not great yes, so... it's not great no uh, yeah um yeah i think the game is difficult but for the most part i didn't find frustrating and most of the time i found myself wanting to keep playing to get past the sections i was having trouble with but the lack of checkpoints gets really frustrating in certain sections i think the point that really got me was this part that you've got to jump over this um <laughs> platform with um swinging boulders but on top the because swinging boulders is not difficult enough apparently you've got these tiny little bats you can barely see flying at the top of the screen and if you like stall for too long or hesitate these bats will fly down and eat you and kill you one hit i found and a way to get... get past that you just gotta yeah. duck in the right place <laughs> yeah i know but, but there's no check because if you up at that part um you've got um, you've got to diffuse a mine while another bat flies overhead and yeah. if you die you have to do it all over again and i was just like this was the point where i was like this is this is too much so i just downloaded a rom of the game and played it through an emulator so i could use save states and save where i wanted <laughs> yeah it's not great the save system i mean i i can't really defend Oddworld there really as much as i love it the save system is very dated and i always lock myself out of saving all of the Madokans at the end of the game. So I basically almost ruined my entire playthrough because of a save moment, but fortunately I managed to kill myself at the right time. So I jumped into a bomb and then respawned at the right place. <laughs> but like, um, just, yeah, the save system's not great. Um, sometimes, I think the jump, the, the way the game responds is to the jump button is not, I don't, I think it's a bit broken as well. I mean, you, oh, and, yeah. you and Sean oh, video. exercise that as well. It it's, it, I remember you and Ted's the video of doing one section, and he put it perfectly. It's like, oh, you weren't perfect? Well, f*** you. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, um, yeah, yeah. it was, uh, yeah. So there's a video Ewan recorded where basically he was, it was on um, the Paramite Temples, and 
he was like the Paramite run, basically. And he was running, and actually, you could see him press the X button in this video, and it not responding. Hello, this is James, the audio editor of this uh, podcast. Just to let you know, the following is actually the audio recording that we're discussing here of Ewan playing Oddworld and having a very fun time. Hello, and welcome to me playing this section of uh, Oddworld. Uh, I'm going to see if I can set this up right, okay. So you see, I did everything just about right there. I might have been one second too slow. Uh, but yeah, this bit is great. I'm loving this bit. Like, yeah, okay, he's got evidence, it's broken. <laughs> you, um, have to push, you have to push it very hard or at the exact right point. Yeah. There's a lot of... There's a lot of precision stuff in this game, which, like, a lot of the time this game is very slow-moving. It's not a game where you should really be expected to do precision stuff, but yeah. then it asks you to do precision, precise movements anyway, and it's infuriating. And uh, like, as Rob said, there's the boulder section where it's, like, so difficult to jump at the right time and, and, and like, and to duck at the same time, you know. Um, the one saving grace, I think, to the gameplay and to the saving system is kind of what uh, James said earlier, was that there are no, there's no life system. You don't, you know, there's no game over. Like, the nice thing about this game is that you can keep retrying a section over and over again until you do it. You know, it doesn't say, oh, oops, you died, go back to the beginning of the game or anything like that. Um... Which is a big plus over games from this era. There's a lot of games that that don't have this, mm. uh, so I give I give the game full props for that. But um, yeah, the the Paramite Temple made it, it took a piece of my soul. That's where a lot of people quit, myself included, as a kid. Uh, when you reach, the, especially the Scrab uh, Ania Temple, like Scrab Temple, that's in my opinion is like the literal worst in the whole game. I think it's the worst level in the whole game. Um, even though the levels that have, like come afterwards are nowhere near as hard as that one level, um, and there's no Madokans to save either. It's just literally just horrible platforming that's not great, if I'm honest. And it's the same. It's the same in New and Tasty as well. I even thought this in New and Tasty. They they actually changed certain things about those levels in New and Tasty that I thought made it even more difficult. I was like, why'd you do that for? Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just not great. Yeah, there is another floor. You can only talk to one Badokan at once in this yeah. game, which means a lot of back and forth. If there's those Badokans in one place, you've got to lead them back and forth through sometimes really tricky areas just to get them mm. to the, to the um, portal so you can chance and get them out. Whereas mm. later games allowed you to talk to multiple Madokans at once, which meant less back and forth. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it makes the game way more difficult. This is f fixed in later Oddworld games, but yeah, that's... Definitely a big issue in the game. I mean, it was early days. It was their first ever game. Raw Land's first ever game. So it's been a learning curve for them. And they have, you know, prospered since then. What I think they've always nailed is the cutscenes. Like, mm. this game's cutscenes are glorious. Like, if you look at a lot of PS1 cutscenes from this era, they don't tend to hold up, I'd say. The ones I'm thinking of, namely, the ones in Tekken and Tekken 2, which look really, really rough. And they're like the textbook example of how PlayStation 1 cutscenes were really janky for the most part, but the cutscenes in all the Oddworld games are all glorious and they're leaps and bounds above most of the cutscenes from, from the era. And yeah. um, they're so good it makes me wish we could have got a movie or an animated series from the, the Oddworld team. I just I think they might have planned a movie that yes. came about. 
And that they perfectly capture like the dark tone of the game and they add to the glorious atmosphere that it has. One thing I thought new and tasty liked was um the original game's cutscenes were really dark and and then that the new and tasty they made them too bright, I thought. There's a lot of points I want to make here. Just I'll start with the new and tasty one. So I think there's some the original game I read about this, there's a lot of decisions they made in the cutscenes with the colour grading and the colour design and stuff like that that had a lot of thought behind it. There's a lot of purple, a lot of shadows and stuff like that. The purple is meant to illustrate the mysticism in Oddworld, like, you know, the idea of magic and stuff like that. And the dark, kind of shadowy um, elements are kind of like to illustrate the more kind of gothic industrial elements conflicting with the, the mystical, as it were. Um, and so, like, you know, you go in Rupture Farms, it's all shadowy, uh, like, kind of grey, uh, like, very cold colours. And then you get freed into the uh, Madokan temples. Um, and it's all kind of green, purple, and stuff like that, and very, you know, mm. uh, spiritual in a way. And there's, so there's these very sort of uh, deliberate decisions. With New and Tasty, there's less of that. I think what they tried to do with New and Tasty is they wanted to focus more on the volatile, explosive side of Rupture Farms and industrialism. They put a lot of yellow in New and Tasty. It's very, very discoloured. Um, but, um, like, it's just... <laughs> I, I, I just think, it, to, to be honest, I think it loses the tension and the suspense that uh, the original Oddworld had, mm. and it kind of goes against their original decisions, so I'm not quite sure why they went in that direction. Um, but also going yeah. back to the point you were making about the film, Rob, uh, there was actually a film for Exodus. Uh, they actually lumped all the yes, cuts... Yes, I know about this. Yeah, they lumped all the cutscenes cut together of Oddworld Days Exodus, and they actually did a, sh a film screening of it, and they actually won awards for the um, cinematic. So yeah, they were really well, well ahead of their time. I thought it was on par with Toy Story, like the animation in those mm. cutscenes. I'd never seen really mm. CGI to that standard up until that point. That's another reason why Oddworld yeah. really spoke to me. I Literally, at one point, I would only play the first level and watch the same cutscene over and over again. And when YouTube came out, um, I was literally just watching the cutscenes just like I was watching a movie. It's crazy how amazing they are. That's one thing that drew me to the um, like the like the cut the games as well because yeah. um, as you probably probably know if you've listened to previous episodes, I'm a big fan of like the output of mainframe animation and mainframe in the '90s, so stuff like reboot, Shadow Raiders, and Beast Wars. Yeah. And all those cutscenes were on that kind of level. I thought. Absolutely, I think it's there's something about old CGI that's kind of charming and this kind of. The sort of clutteriness and stuff like that. I don't, I don't, I don't mean clutteriness is not the right word for it, but there's something a bit more rusty and kind of, um, I don't know how to describe it, but you know what I mean? It's kind of, there's something- Yeah, I'll, I'll get exactly what you mean. It's something stylistically about that CGI then is really entertaining for me, especially for something like Oddworld, where it has to be a bit disturbing and gothic and otherworldly. It really translates well to it. And it's the same with Reboot as well. It tries to be an otherworldly thing. And sometimes that imperfect animation of that time kind of complements what they're going for. And I think that's really the case with Oddworld. It reminds me a lot of uh, the Fallout uh, style of yep. uh, CG animation. Oh, because the, the, um... uh, I know, oh yes. I know that they, they, they made clay models of the various characters for this and then scanned those into the computer in the same way that they did with Fallout. So what shall it be? Do you join the Unity? Or do you die here? Join. Die. Join. Die. Uh, yes. Uh, so I think there's, there's a bit of a stop motion quality to the... I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's the jacket motion. That's one thing I thought... Yeah. 
with with the gameplay, all the it, it, the gameplay looks like stop motion to me. Like especially yeah. for stuff like the paramites and the sigs, the, the way they move feels like reminds me of stop motion. Yeah, it's the jagged motions of the characters that I think really sells it for me. It kind of it feels like it's a almost mechanical. It's a mechanical nature to the cinematics. Um, while, while while we're um, uh, talking about the comparison between the look of uh, new and tasty and the original Odyssey, mm. I think one one thing that did bother me a bit about new and tasty was that it, it was it was made on the the Unity Source Engine. And it was very clearly, I, I don't know if, I've, if people have played on Unity games, but it, it was very, uh, it was a Unity engine game, you could tell. Um, and I really loved the original's unique look, yeah. as you said, because it, because it was an engine made by Oddworld Inhabitants. Um, that, that's the company, not, not, not actual inhabitants. Um, Ragdolls Oddworld, everywhere. Yeah, it's it looks so good. The original game, like the engine, looks amazing today. Um, whereas the Unity engine, yeah, you can tell it's the Unity engine, and it was just like it, it lost something along the way. I felt I at feel... the same time, yeah. it was also a lot more playable for me yeah. as someone who was infuriated by a lot of the we, original. We have games. to have some praises for New and Tasty because it's a quick save feature, and like yeah. literally everything we've criticised about the original was addressed in New and Tasty, probably quite perfectly. Uh, there's like yeah. multiple dockings can follow you at the same time. Um, the buttons, the, the control. I'm a bit mixed about the controls, to be honest, but I think it's for new game newcomers. It's definitely more accessible. Um, so yeah, yes. it does address those quite nicely. I think new and tasty. And it does. Um, it has 200 more. I think not only 200. Uh, I think yeah, 200 more Bedokens on top of the original 99. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about regarding Oddworld is that it's the first time I want to say I, I did mention that it's kind of gothic earlier. This is the first time in any kind of form of entertainment, I think, in, in my life, really, that I encountered something that's quite gothic. And there's a lot of things you can sort of pick out in the game from, like, how the industrialists are trying to sort of, uh, in a very disgusting and frightening sort of way, imitate nature and imitate themselves in, through technology and stuff like that. A lot of the sort of floaty things look like giant octopuses and spiders. Um, there's, like, little towers that look like gluckens watching you with their, like, you know gazing eyes and stuff like that um and also the slings being like kind of cybernetic and stuff like that it kind of it's there's a frank frankensteinian like quality to that i think um and also if you read if there's a whole extended lore of all in the instruction manuals and also there was a thing called ask alf uh on the web on the website which actually kind of explored a bit more of the lore every week i don't know if it's canon anymore but uh, what, what it's hinted at is that the gluckens uh practiced alchemy uh, at one point before they used to be spiritual just like the Madokans and then they, they saw uh, the Madokans saw the like the, the moon with their like uh, paw on it which is very biblical by the way kind of reminds me of the Abraham story when he's looking up at the stars but um, when the Glockans saw that moon they got really jealous of the Madokans they closed themselves away they refused to look at the moon they refused to look at the night um, and then they started experimenting with alchemy um, which gets a bit explored in later games with like you know Soulstorm Brewery and stuff like that. But there's this hint, there's this hint that like through capitalism and also alchemy, they lose themselves. They become shadows of what they formerly were. There's a lot of these gothic ideas just floating around Oddworld, yes. and, and obviously as I mentioned, the shadowy quality of the cutscenes. Uh, it was that's what kind of blew my mind a bit. I'm obsessed with the gothic in general, so the, the Oddworld might have been the very first instance of me experiencing something like that. So. 
Yeah. It's basically yeah. the Hobbits versus Saruman. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> you have my sword. And you have my bow. And one thing I do want to bring, because you brought up the Gluckens, and that made me think, um, are there really, like, the Gluckens are like the, the top of the food chain as far as we know in Oddworld. Yeah. And then at the very end of the game, you see them without their clothes on. We see they're basically just like a head with like really long legs. So yeah. it's like they are not intimidating as they make themselves out to be. That's the kind yeah. of thing. It's meant to be a parody of like kind of like lazy business people and stuff like that. Really, just deep down, they're just like these useless kind of things that need to rely on slings and other other people to do all the work for them. So it's kind of almost like in their own character design they're meant to be designed to look lazy is i remember reading yeah. that somewhere uh, which i thought well, they, they they look like an 80s businessman stereotype because they've you've yeah. got um you've got what's his name uh, moloch the the glucken uh he's literally chomping away on a massive cigar he's got his business suit with a tie and everything and then yeah at the end um they zap his his suit off and you see he's like a little he's like a little head or like a big head and then he's got like these little dangling uh arms and then there's just these really tall uh, legs that he's been standing on the whole time it's, it's almost like a you know like a guy on stilts oh it's um, ridiculous kind of idea. it's a wonderful little joke at the end of the game um, and I love, yeah, you're right, James. The sligs are really creepy because they're kind of they've got like a weird octopus face, uh, but then they're also them, you know, they're they're robots as well, kind yeah. of, or they're, they're cyborgs. That, um, yeah. yeah, it's a really interesting uh, kind of yeah, like sci-fi gothic uh, again, kind of Fallout in that regard. One thing uh, I want to bring up. Yeah, one thing I want to bring up about the Sligs is that their backstory is absolutely the most depressing thing ever. Um, so basically, every every race in Oddworld, the Gluckens, the Madokens, and the Sligs all have a queen, and the queen actually is like uh, basically the head of their species, they're the leader of their species, and they give birth to you know obviously other members of the species. Um, it's kind of like, you know, ants, they have the queen and stuff like that. They follow the queen and whatnot. The Madokan queen loves their like loves her children. Her name's Sam in the games, and she loves her children. She's enslaved, as it were, and she's forced to give birth to the Madokans. Um, it's really depressing in that regard. But the Sleek-like queen is absolutely horrible. She just doesn't give a damn about her children and just sells them off to the Gluckens to be slaves. <laughs> Which is just like, what? <laughs> yeah, the, the Sleeks are definitely the, the kind of the foot soldiers aren't they yeah. of, of the of the gluckens and but, um i do i do feel a little bad it was interesting lord lanning talking about he really didn't want guns to be in the game because obviously like guns and action were such a big part of gaming at the time and he was like he was very adamant i don't want guns in the game but he did kind of cheat a little bit because you can mind control in this game with possession and so you can you can jump into the brains of the various slugs and uh, and control them mm. and use their guns to to kill other slaves yeah, sort of or whatever or, so it, or the slogs the little dogs are that was one part, part with the slogs um mm. where you've basically got to possess a slig and then you've got the, the slogs coming out of two separate kennels you've got and you've got to turn left and right and shoot them stand to the far right and shoot and i was trying for <laughs> ages to do it and then, then and james told me 
Just stand at the very edge of the screen and shoot them all and you'll be fine. It's the same in New and Tasty as well. <laughs> First time I was like, oh, for yeah. sake. <laughs> yeah, I actually did I actually did do that in New and Tasty. I just stood at the edge of the screen and just shot them from there. But yeah, no, it's a very um a bizarre uh design choice by the team uh to do that section it was an interesting design choice by the game developers where you have to turn left and right to shoot these slogs who are very fast by the way but also the slogs the fact that like a, a hundred of them will, will all come out of their kennel um that some of those and the last two come out the same kennel yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's so annoying. Yeah, so again, there were some decisions where they kind of nerfed it a little bit in New and Tasty, which was the correct decision. Yeah. Um, because the amount of slogs... Slogs are like the guard dogs. Um, the amount of slogs that come out is just its just silly. And um, But anyway, it, it, like, there's, a, there's a black humor to it, which I do understand, but when you're actually playing it, it's like, oh, yeah. come on, like, you know, let, let's get moving. Because yeah. it does just stop the game. I, and, you know, back to the positive, I want to talk about how gorgeous this game looks. I mean, talk, talk about the cutscenes and how great they are, but yeah. like a lot of the backgrounds in this game are pre-rendered, and mm. I feel each area has its own distinct look and feel. Like, even like, when you go back to Rutger Farms and go to the various zoologs to rescue the Madokans, like, um, mm. each of them has a different colour, like, aesthetic to differentiate it, that was the word. Yeah. Um, it just nails the atmosphere perfectly. And I think having the game in a 2D perspective allowed the game to have the look it does. Because if you look back at some of the games at the same time, they all try to do 3D. And I think they still have their charm. But um, they've arguably aged worse than Oddworld, which was 2D in it. So it was able to do more artistically, I think. The sort of cinematic pre-rendered backgrounds kind of adds a vastness to the whole thing, doesn't it? It makes you realise, even though you're kind of walking what is essentially like a, a line that's kind of left and right, it feels like you're in a massive like facility and stuff like that. Um, and you get really immersed into and that, the world. And, that, and that's what Lord Lanning's idea was, because I think he's done this really amazing kind of like digital painting of like a like a, a prehistoric creature. Absolutely. And he was, and he was high. Like he spoke oh. Smith or something. <laughs> That's the story. He yeah. Like, and he's like, um, and then he knows. He's like, how do I get this into people's houses? And then he kind of noticed while he was like, he had the um, Atari twenty six hundred joystick next to him, and then he kind of had the idea of having this painting move with the joystick. He's saying, ah, oh, this is it. Games are the future. It must have been really good weed. Um... <laughs> That's but... what he said in the book. Yeah, That's yeah. The uh, uh, book. yeah. It's mentioned in two of the art books. It's just like his one of his favourite anecdotes. They got stoned and got into game development. <laughs> this, is, this is such a hippie game. Like, it's the most hippie game you'll ever play. Oh, like, yeah. the, whole, the whole idea of it being versus this meat processing plants and you're fighting for the environment and and you know like you're it's a vegetarian game in a lot of ways the madokans uh, are hippies is this game has a morality system yeah but it's not in your face about it gate like it points out what you need to do and rescue the cats and madokans but it's up to you if you do it or not like it doesn't tell you what will happen if you don't do it you um, so basically, of course, in the game, you can talk to the Madokans and you've got to lead them to the portals. And um, yeah, it's, it's not something you're forced You can avoid most of them, but the game expects you to do that because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. And if you don't rescue enough of them by the end of the game, you get the bad ending. Let them. <laughs> Let's go.
This is the first game ever that had like multiple endings as well. That the idea I didn't experience the bad ending when I was a kid, but then my dad came home one day and said, uh, James, do you know those Madokans that you accidentally killed? And I was like, yeah. And he said, like, oh yeah, they let you die at the end. And I was like, what? <laughs> so that really just freaked me out as a kid. In fact, um, every, every world game apart from Strangest Rob has a bad ending. And gosh, Munch's Odyssey's bad ending actually scarred me for life. And I actually didn't play Oddworld for years. <laughs> um, if you want to have nightmares... <laughs> Uh, just look up Munch's Odyssey on YouTube, uh, the bad ending, because it is literally, it has no right to be as bad as it is. It's probably the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. See you then! Surprise! <laughs> but, anyway. Uh, I digress. Uh, I do like that the you know the the lesson is you know you got to look after your mates and stuff like that, and things will work out for you in the end. That's kind of the message, isn't it? Don't don't be a selfish. <laughs> and look after the planet. Look after the planet, guys. I want to just quickly bring this in because um, I kind of mentioned this earlier on. I wanted to tell a little story about because um, we were talking about how this is really accessible to multiple ages and stuff like that. Um, there is a character in Oddworld, and there is a, a DLC in New and Tasty uh, where you have to rescue this Madokan called Alf. Yes, Alf. Alf, yes. And um, Alf is a very important character in, across Oddworld. He's actually introduced in Exodus. He's not really in Odyssey, but in New and Tasty, they kind of retcon that and say, oh, actually, he was in Odyssey the whole time. Um, but um, what that character was named after was actually a real person. A real person. And, it, and his name is Alfred Gamble. And basically, he was a um, Oddworld fan, and he was a war hero, basically, who had a wife that had a debilitating illness, uh, and she passed away, sadly. And he was Aww. quite old at this time, and basically, he had no one left, and he felt suicidal. So he bought himself a pistol one day and decided, right, I've got some money left over, I'm just going to spend it all on whatever takes my fancy, and then I'm going to go kill myself, is what he thought to himself. Um, so he went into a game store and he saw, he, budged, he bought a whole bunch of games, he bought a PS1 and he also saw Abe, you know, being like, you know, showcased and whatnot in Abe's Odyssey and he purchased that and he was like, right, well, I'm just going to buy this stupid game and play this and then, you know, just end my life basically. But then he played Oddworld and something happens that he did not expect and he starts laughing. He starts laughing and he's like, hang on a minute, this Abe guy is a bit like me. There was a guy, Alf who we named the character mm. after in Exodus, who um, played Abe's Odyssey and sent us this, like, 14-page handwritten letter. You're not going to believe this, but I had to tell you, your game saved my life. Mm. So here's a guy. He had been in World War II, uh, you know, Engl in England. He was a veteran, survived the war, uh, was a truck driver for years till eventually retired, uh, led a humble life. His wife wound up with a debilitating disease, spent the last, like, eight years nurturing her eventually you know into the grave mm -hmm. and had lost all sense of hope become really cynical was disengaged from his grandkids was uh, just, just felt he had absolutely nothing left and he had decided when she died he was like yeah it's time for me to go too he, he, he can't do it and he has a service revolver and he's writing this this mm -hmm. and he can't do it and he goes I, I can't I just can't pull the trigger and I'm mad at myself and I figure why is that why am I so weak I can't do what I need mm -hmm. to do so he goes in he goes to the store and he sees the PlayStation mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and he sees Abe, right? Abe on the ex- on the first game. He's just this kind of dopey looking guy <laughs> on the cover. Said, and I just thought, I'm buying a PlayStation. And I'm going to buy that guy there. The, you know, it was like the, the the reason we designed him was the reason he attracted to him. It was like he just felt like I could relate to him. Mm-hmm. You know. And then he goes home, and he's really just trying to exhaust his resistance to committing suicide. Mm-hmm. But he starts playing our game. Mm-hmm. So he starts engaging it, and he said, I start doing something that I hadn't done in a long time, yeah. laughing. Mm-hmm. He goes, I started laughing, mm-hmm. and I got engaged. And every day I started playing, and I, was at, and I started laughing more. And then I got reached out, and I contacted my granddaughters, and I asked them if they had heard of that. And he's really getting sucked into it, playing this game for hours and hours, and suddenly he loses the urge to commit suicide. And he wrote a long letter into Old World Inhabitants, um, saying about like how this game changed his life, saved his life, and now because of this game, he's now close to his family a bit more. Like he's seeing his granddaughters, and, uh, and you know, and he he suddenly has a new purpose in life. And he passed away of natural causes in the end. Um, but yeah, that's the story of Alf. Like you know, this this game reached Aww. out to a lot of people, and you know, it had an impact. I mean, it's obviously had a big impact on me, but you know, it's really reached people as well. So that's why I think it's one of the most mm. important games out there. So I've wanted to tell that story anyway. Yeah, so I thought, yeah that's amazing, and. Yeah. yeah. On that note, there is a story I read about in the Abe's Origins art book again. It's not about Odyssey, but it's about Exodus. It's a blind but, gentleman. Um, someone was able to. Yes, someone who was blind was able to complete that game 100% because just because of how good the sound, able to perfectly judge where everything was based on how what the sound design was like. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the sound actually um, mm. because I I know that they mentioned that this was one of the first games to really integrate. Uh, the like the way the sounds worked into the gameplay, so you would know what like certain actions were happening based on what the music or what the sound was doing. Yes. So you know, so, so when slicks are in the area, you can hear like not only you can hear the slicks, but you can also hear like the the music will change. Um, and, yeah. and there's um, just little it, notes. It's amazing. It's I really love, well done. That's one thing I love is um, the music changes and becomes a bit more industrial when you possess a slig. Like we have, like it's kind of like more kind of like tribal music for some parts, and then you possess a slig and it's the same music, but it's got more like industrial aspects added to it. Absolutely. No, it, it's it's really and and I I have the deaf sound. Uh, oh, I, it's so good. Now. Do you not know really? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Do you know what really gets me palpitating is when the drums start playing, when a monster's chasing you, like when the paramount grabs you, chasing your slick, and it suddenly goes boom, 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 boom. You're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so I, I can totally see a, a blind person or visually impaired person would be able to play this because you, you can literally just, you can hear every kind of uh like sound and every little detail that it's really cool it's it's really well done and it was one of the first games to kind of integrate yeah the the sound into the environment you didn't just have music just playing over everything like there was yeah. there was a bit more detailing going into it which you, is it's very cool you'd know if a slig is nearby for instance because you can hear their mechanical legs in the background it's clever things yeah. Like oh yeah that. and they, they they go back and forth as well so you can hear them going further Get, away and getting closer yeah it's it's really well done that the sound design um one 
yes, yeah, so another thing I wanted to bring up is the last point I've got here in my notes, um, and it's regarding the censorship of Oddworld. It's an interesting thing to talk about. It's documented. Oh yes, I know, I know. Is this is this the Japanese censorship? Well, it's not just the Japanese censorship, but it's just in general how much Japan does not understand Oddworld at all. Like, <laughs> um, like I don't know what was going on there, but whoever was kind of like marketing the release of Oddworld was kind of thinking. I must have. I think they must have thought in their head. We need a cute game. We need. We like cute games like Crash and Sonic and all that. So if you look up, you can look this up on YouTube. There's a Japanese commercial where basically it has a guy dressed up as Abe. It's like this J-pop thing. It's completely misses the point of Oddworld. It's so weird. And also like. They're moving on to the censorship. Because the Modokans have three fingers on their paws, that reminded Japan oh, of... The, four, fingers. the other way around is four fingers. Oh, four fingers, sorry, four fingers. I beg your pardon. Um, so that apparently was meant to remind... That's an actual insult in Japan. If someone holds up four fingers like that, it's meant to indicate that you're a low-caste worker because workers would cut their fingers off by accident in like factories and stuff like that. So suddenly... Across media and stuff like that, if Japan sees something that has like four fingers, they will immediately want you to censor it. And then, and then Mickey Mouse did the same thing. Um, to be fair, the um, it is true about the factory workers thing. But it is. It, it should be mentioned that in Japan, um, there is a cultural thing about the number four because four is very in 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 the language is very similar to the word death. Yeah. Um, so it, it is, it's not just that. There is a reason, like a kind of cultural reason for why um, they would remove the four fingers. Um, because they changed it so it's three fingers in, in the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's not just that. There is a, like, like for, for instance, they, um, if say a, a, a building has um, has four floors, yeah. Um, what they'll do is they'll say the ground floor one two three. They won't say one two three four or anything oh, like okay. that. But it's um, saying so. It's it's more than it's more than just that. There is yeah. a cultural reason. But that I, I just kind of I just just what from what I read. The other thing that was sensed was the um, the dock and pops. Yeah, it's I don't know too much about the story behind that. What was the story behind that? Do we know? I mean, it's I'm just not the violence of the image. I think but, it's something to do with them. Like um, something that's actually happening in Japan, something to do. I think it might be something to do with the Yakuza. I'm not 100 sure of that. This, that's a bit. Of, that's a bit of a funny one. Plus, it's also, people down. must have seen that commercial yeah. and just expected something else completely, and then played the game and must have had a big shock. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, okay, so it turns out the design was changed due to the Kobe child murders in Japan. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough, I guess. It's I don't know. It's it's like how yeah, we. It's like how in the, like, yeah. the early 2000s, like a lot of guns were taken out of certain things because of Columbine. Well, it's the same, I guess, yeah. It's a tricky one, but I just don't, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I don't, it's I don't, not. I don't, it doesn't bother me. Like, it's fine. Like, you, that happens, like, for instance, they removed children from Fallout because in Germany they were very strict about that in the European version. What it is, I think the big issue I have is the inconsistency, because when you jump onto Exodus, the Madokan Pop looks completely different and less sinister, and I think that uh -huh. really sucks. And, and of course, now the Madokans have one, like, one less finger. So, I don't know, I just feel like it's just a bit of... Plus, they all like they have to actually actively now go back to the character model and remove that finger of, of Abe and stuff, and it's just like, oh, great. Yeah, it's a little, it's an extra bit of faff, but you know, it's a, 
Japan is a big gaming market, so you didn't want to lose it. Yeah. The good thing about GT Interactive, who I think were also responsible, I think they they published well, they published um, Doom uh, and and uh, Duke Nukem and some other games like that back in the nineties. And what was good about GT Interactive was that they gave their developers control of their intellectual property. Um, so Lorne Lanning and Oddworld Inhabitants have always had control over Oddworld. They've never lost it over the years. It's not like a, um, a Tim Kane and Black Isle Studio situation with Fallout where Interplay sold, you know, the Fallout rights to Bethesda. Um, and, you know, so the original creators lost control of it. Yeah. Um, so it is really good. So fair play to GT Interact for allowing the developers to hold on to their games. They didn't, you know, they didn't lose them to the publisher. Um, but also one thing I wanted to talk about very quickly, because I know we probably want to wrap up soon. But, um, but there's mm. a really interesting thing about the late 90s. It was just looking at 1997 when Oddworld came out. Uh, is the amount of amazing games that were coming out at this time because we had Fallout, um, GoldenEye, mm. uh, you know, um, Final Fantasy VII. Like these were huge um, games. Tomb Raider Two, Tomb Raider Two, Crash Bandicoot Two. There's loads of great games from this period, and um, I was just thinking about the fact that I was looking at the budget, and with um, Oddworld, Oddworld cost four million dollars, which you know, fair enough. That's a fair amount of money. Uh, GoldenEye cost $2 million, uh, Fallout cost $3 million, you know, so these are all, it's a fairly big amount of money, but not huge. And then you get to the PS2 era, and let's, let's think of, say, I was looking at like a game like Final Fantasy X, uh, that cost uh, around $32 million. This was four years later, this was 2001, so there was a very big jump in budgets. Um, and you know, and 32 million in those days was around 50 million today. And I think what was wonderful about that era is that when you were not a tiny independent studio, but also not a huge studio, you could be like a little mid middle medium studio in the middle with a budget of two million, and make a really iconic game like Oddworld. Shame that we've kind of lost that along the way. We're now, yeah, now. The, the new Oddworld games are all needing to be made with crowdfunding and things like that. Um, that it's kind of lost that middle ground point uh, in gaming. Anyway, I just thought it was an interesting it was an interesting thing to consider, like yeah, how no, so many amazing games were born from that era. And now they've kind of been lost along the way. They made uh, Exodus in a year now, uh, but now like the it wasn't even games, here. It was nine months. Nine months, yeah. But now Oddworld games take about three to four years to take to make. So it'll probably be about thirty-two by the time the next Oddworld comes out. Yeah, if at yeah, all. No, it, it, they're, they're huge. You know, these these are gargantuan games that are being made now. You know, with like full motion capture and full animation and all these things. Mm. Um, and, and a much smaller team as well. There's a smaller team making it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's 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 crazy how different the gaming industry is now and and what it's having to compete and what Oddworld is having to compete with uh in terms of the really big budgets of the AAA games uh or the small like independent games that are made made by like one or two people but anyway we we've got this wonderful game called Oddworld made in uh, Abe's Odyssey made in 1997 and I, I'm glad that it exists and I'm very happy it, it, it was yeah. made the, made the way it was made one of, one of the greatest games I've probably ever played in my entire life, actually, uh, goes far to say. I do prefer 
Exodus, which was a sequel, but Odyssey does have some elements that outshine Odyssey. Mainly, Odyssey has elements that outshine Exodus. Namely the atmosphere, I think Odyssey has the better atmosphere, I feel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Exodus also has a lot going on for it as well, atmospherically as well. But we'll, we'll save that for another episode. There's a lot to be said about Exodus yeah. as well and the other God Worlds. I think uh, all I want to say is that I kind of want to try out Paramite Pies. Uh, because I hate because I hate paramites so goddamn much after the paramite temple uh, I am I have actually the the game has actually turned me into even more of a carnivore so I'm very sorry lawn Lanning uh, <laughs> it failed I, I now hate the creatures of oddworld and I fully support the gluckens in their uh, monstrous uh, Destruction of of. First <laughs> our meat, now our bones, and now our tears. <laughs> it's a um, quite from Exodus. Oh, we we completely forgot to mention Abe speaks in rhyme because this game is amazing and does stuff like that. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> yes, I've actually got Paramount Pie's poster on my wall. By the way, I've got uh, literally oh, all the I got all the Oddworld like. Uh, you know the banners at the beginning of the game. All of those are on my wall at the moment. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right now, I'm looking at an Abe statue, which I got with the deluxe edition of Soulstorm. Oh yeah, got that around as well. <laughs> so next time, we are tackling our first ever listener request, and we're going to be taking a look at Power Rangers RPM, which was... The last entry in the Power Rangers franchise which was produced while Disney had the franchise. And it's a post-apocalyptic series, interesting enough, which almost ended up being the very last in the franchise. So it'll be interesting to take a look at that. Power Rangers and the post-apocalyptic Earth, it's apparently that exists. There you go. <laughs> it doesn't, it's, I remember reading it in Wikipedia just going like, what? Very excited because I know absolutely nothing about Power Rangers. So this is going to be a fun... And I know... And I know more about Power Rangers than I have any right to. So. <laughs> I'm somewhere in between. Um, <laughs> right. uh, yeah, until next time, the Bluecast bids you farewell. Yeah, remember to comment, like, and subscribe. <laughs> help, 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 help. <laughs> okay. Freeze. Thank you for listening to Bluecast. We've been Rob, James, and Ewan. You can find all of our episodes on bluecast.com. We're also available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel where we produce shorter episodes called Bluebnets, where we discuss the latest news in popular culture. You can find us on social media with at BlueCastPod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like, follow, and subscribe so you can get the latest updates on new episodes. We also have an email address, which is bloopcast.outlook.com. So if you have any feedback or want to suggest things for us to review in our future episodes, please feel free to drop us an email and you'll get a shout out on the next episode. Please also rate and review us on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. More engagement helps us a lot. And finally, please share the podcast amongst your friends and family. Help spread the word so that the Bloobcast Empire can become strong and mighty.